Episode number ten. I I accidentally said episode number n- number ten yeah, last week. You got it right this time. So um, that's my bad. Anybody that listened was probably like Andrew. Wait, there's only eight episodes. Am I missing something? Yeah. So like, yeah, there wasn't an episode missed or skipped. That's just on me. But Connor, how you doing? Welcome I'm back. Doing good. Holy man. City Sound Off number yeah. ten. Holy City Sound Off. It's been a busy week. I feel like we're always running around, but. Yeah. We're getting through it. We got a short week this week. Short, got well. a, we got a long uh, weekend and a short week. Yep. And then it's a three-day weekend for most probably. Yeah. Um, Four-day for us. But uh, yeah, five-day for me. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> week off. Uh, but yeah, here we are. Here we are. Sitting down to obviously discuss the Charleston battery. We got some exciting things on the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll let you run with it, but... um, the, <laughs> No, take it away. I, Charleston battery. Um. Obviously, secure home field advantage for the first round of the playoffs. Obviously, getting postseason football was a huge step to get that home field advantage. Just makes it all, all the better. We know Patriots Point can get rocking. So, um, and to add to that, the Howlers, well, not the, well, the Howlers podcast last Holy City Sound Off are planning a trip for the match. So, um, I don't know if you want to tell them too much, but we can... Yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at now. that. Yeah. A lot of details to be details sorted, but... All we can say is, we'll see you there. There was no better news to start off our week. Yeah. Um, a short week. Riding, riding a high, for sure, and we're really excited to kind of get down there. See everyone, as always, and I mean... The beer. Hey, the little extra support could be the difference, you know? Yeah. Three guys screaming their heads off. Three guys, three guys <laughs> with a camera and a lot of questions. It makes for a good evening. Yeah. yeah so um, I'm super excited. Super excited. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. And then next week, also, some a new a little switch up in the content. Oh, you'll get yeah. uh You'll have Should we name the player or should we wait? Should we just say... Let's leave it as... Uh, just a tenured footballer will be sitting down with us next week. <laughs> Obviously, direct ties to the battery. Um, but that's going to be a heck of an interview that we're planning for. And uh, you'll you'll get to hear someone else's voice behind the mic. Well, we'll get that out to you next week. So just stay tuned. Plenty yeah. of, plenty of con- can't talk right now. Plenty of content. And obviously some good insight from, like you mentioned, a tenured footballer. Yes. So keep your ears and eyes open. We're going to be getting you that. Very, very soon. But as for the match, so Battery played on Saturday. They fell in a 3-2 de- de- defeat to, geez, it's wearing off. I'm yeah, like, hey, I think this, this week is just taking. Um, but yeah, El Paso Locomotive take the victory on Saturday. It was the first inaugural inaugural match between the sides. Um, so Charleston Battery will just have to look for that second one to kind of pull one over on them. But the match itself, it was a very exciting game. Um, you're very deflated as a battery fan, kind of as it closed out, but it's not that they didn't have chances that they could have taken to earn a victory. So they were in the match. They started very strong and Augie had a penalty within the first 15 minutes. He, I honestly, I personally think it was a very well taken penalty. It was just unfortunate. It caught the underside of the bar and that's one of those shots that you see it caught the, 
caught the bar. It almost looked like it could have hit the bar and glazed in, but on that on that instance, on that day, caught the bottom side of the bar and bounced out. Yeah. Um, so tough, tough for that to open the game. It really could have just popped, stuck a pin in the balloon of El Paso. Um, but they continued to battle. The opponents took the, the, the lead. They opened the scoring, and then Augie, the equalizer that he had, certainly made up for the penalty miss. It was it was gorgeous, well worked. A short corner taken, a little bit of combination with Fidel. Um, Fidel's Al- ball in. Allen was, was involved. Yeah, yeah. Fidel's ball in was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, perfect. It, it was effortless too. The, yeah, it's I like know. effortless the way in which he hit it and the movement in the box from Augie to like be that free to be that wide open to tee up the finish and to take it on a volley like that. Again, insane. You know what's uh, funny? I feel it on the roof from that. What's funny is no matter what level you're playing at and. This is high level football, but no matter if it's the Premier League or USL, I feel like you see players like Augie who are clinical, but they'll have moments where they botch a penalty. Or like yeah. maybe we're being harsh by saying botch, but miss a penalty and then they get this outstanding up op- like opportunity to score and it, it, the odds are against them in terms of like just the way in which they have to score it and they just pull off some yeah. magnificent finish. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. Not only in, like I've seen it across like the different leagues and levels in which we watch the game. So it's just one of those things where it's like scoring goals is so instinctual to Augie yeah. that in the like course of play or in the open game, like it looks so natural and looks so easy. But then there's something a little unnatural about taking a penalty. Like the game comes to a complete halt. Yeah, you have a few more seconds to think about it, and even for professionals, like. It happens, you know, like they, they could take a hundred in training. They all tuck them side netting, top bends, wherever it might be. But then, um, I don't know. You just don't catch it right off the spot. Maybe the penalty spots a little chewed up. We see professional footballers always putting their heel into the penalty spot before someone takes it. So, um, it was the goal that he did score was just a beauty and right in the the flow of the game. And he took, all that emotion of probably missing the penalty out on the corner flag. He, he went over in celebrations and kicked the corner flag. Yeah. He did pick it up and uh, put it back in. So he he earned a little bit of respect back. But the uh, the away fans were booing him anyways as he equalized. Would Would you say? I mean, we I didn't play. We didn't play at the highest level, but um, played played college ball. But I always felt like when I had the opportunity to score one v one, it made things harder rather than like. Like if like if I had to score in a position where there was pressure on me, I would choose that over a one v one. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Do you think most strikers are like that because their instincts take over and their their instincts is them thinking less and them more just being themselves, which you could say you could argue is the better option. Um, were you? Do you think you're someone who would prefer a bit of pressure to finish rather than like? You and the goalie, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're saying like, like if a, a, if a, if a, ball, like a ball came through and there's a defender right on you, would you rather have that slight pressure where you have to just like you're not thinking, you're just doing rather than like when you are one v one, you're thinking about all right, where, which way can I go? The goalkeeper's moving left, right, or just yeah, coming get, at you at, at pace. Saying. Like, would you prefer your in- instincts as if to your best of your ability to finish or would you trust your decision making when you have to think more? 
1v1 in behind. I mean, I was never naturally a striker. That was um, probably one of the last positions that I was played as like a true number nine. But being 1v1 in behind, it's something that looks so simple. But when you're facing a very good goalkeeper that knows how to close angles, close angles quickly, get very big, it becomes a tall order when you're all alone to tuck a goal away. And me personally as a player, I'm someone that relied a lot on my movements, set, like setting up team goals, playing off of my teammates, and creating things a lot more through like a pass. So I would say... I, I'm more comfortable just being on the end of something um, and having to tuck it away than being a player that's in a 1v1 situation, whether that's with the goalkeeper or a defender. I was never a stand-up attacker that had the, the foot skills to really get by people. It was more, I don't know, hard nose with pace, take good touches around, but always kind of open up the match with passes and get, getting yeah. those movements and taking my chances in just like the course of play. So I, I guess that's how I naturally would finish and where I'm more comfortable as opposed to those 1v goalkeeper situations. I guess the same could be said about even players that can play play balls through and are creative that maybe they like a bit of pressure to... Because sometimes, yeah. when like like I said, I think when you're thinking more, you're doing less than what you do. Yeah, when, when you, you have those moments to think. You, you it's like second guess. Rather, the players that are under pressure, they make those, like those diagonal balls across the field or those slice balls through or those flicks like with pressure slight pressure on them like it's weird how like the psyche takes over in moments yeah. when like it should be easy and like r- really good players especially at this le- at the USL championship level like the game slows down a lot in those moments for them i think yeah like we probably noticed the very beginnings of that where it's like in certain moments when you you make the right pass or you see something maybe you don't always see, and it's like a cutting ball through like three defenders, and you're able to string it. Like when it happens and comes off, it's almost like the game feels like it slows down. Oh, 100%. Um, or it's even you're on the end of like it could be a fizzed in ball, and like sometimes, like someone watching it is like, oh my gosh, he was able to finish it at, but you like just see the ball and nothing and nothing mm-hmm. else, and like mm-hmm. everything else slows, and you're able to finish it with a bit of ease. Um, so it's just it's this cool thing that happens. Um, if you're not a player of the game, it's certainly uh, cer- something to admire. And with professionals like Augie, like Fidel, like that's what helps them make it look so simple. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, that's where the game just that's where the levels completely just yeah. go from here to just up here. <laughs> exactly. The game's always kind of slow for them in on some, in those moments. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, but yeah, then bringing things back to the match. So one one going into the half. Good resurgence for battery to get that back. And then as the half wore on, um, they were able to go up 2-1. Ikaza talked a tidy finish away on the far the far post. Did the baseball swing? Came through. <laughs> yeah, he, I, saw, I saw him coming in for the swing, and I was like, oh, is he going to go JWP with a little bit of a golf swing? But he kept it high, went for the baseball well, swing. El Paso played a minor league yeah, baseball stadium. Yeah, so. <laughs> there was another club that put up like uh, a reel or a TikTok that was making fun of playing in a baseball There's stadium. like four teams, I think, in the U.S. that play in a baseball yeah. minor league. Maybe more than that. I will say, though, at least they, they covered up the dirt. Like, they do. You know, Rowdy's stadium was a baseball stadium? Yeah, that's why all the stands like sit in that yeah. shape. They uh, do, yeah. And I mean, they've made the most of it with how it's set up. I think it looked cool. I think it looks sick. Yeah, but, but I mean, as you as you watch the game, like the El Paso game, it's so weird having like the benches just in the middle of like this yeah. field. So like 
And then there's just a random billboard. Um, so. I'd imagine it's still a good atmosphere in those minor league yeah. stadiums because they are so like they're just cool. Like we went to Dunkin' Donuts Stadium and yeah, Hartford for the for that baseball game and those minor league parks in the country. And it's set, but like there's some yeah. cool like there's some ones like that. But yeah, and I mean they were able to do cool things that other stadiums, soccer specific, don't have the luxury to do in the USL. Was like when a goal is scored, they're able to like lights go out and then they flash the lights so that's that's cool that Hunts, adds to the atmosphere i think huntsville is also in the mls next pro is like a take on a like i think it stems from like a minor league baseball team hmm. yeah the I way mean, in which the stadium is set up like yeah. it's a soccer stadium but it's got like the high like the way the angles are i think yeah. i but, mean it's better to take an abandoned ballpark i guess or even one that's in use and make it your own than yeah, yeah yeah have to build from the ground up um, but yeah, so battery take the lead. Um, they're up two one, and then around the seventy sixth minute is when they started seventy second. Ben Pierman stated it in his post match. They fell flat, um, and that's something that's been an ongoing issue. It's been play. It's plagued them for the last two matches, and they let the team back in. Credit to El Paso. They took their chances. They made it difficult. They're fighting for a playoff spot. So they came with everything they had, and they they walk away with a 3-2 victory. Um, and that was kind of the match, done and dusted. Unfortunate not to get any points on the road, but it is not an easy match to just go and win casually against a team fighting for a playoff spot. But on the front of Coach Pierman's comments, um, just with the – the struggles as of late in the last two matches to be able to close out games when you have a lead and giving the other team momentum to kind of fight and claw their way back in. What are, I mean, we're not credited coaches by any means, but what are, what are some things we have our that, takes in the game? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are, what are some things that you think are messages of like advice to players or just like things that would help them carry the momentum through the remainder game or little tweaks and switches that you would maybe consider um, to help them see out these results as the playoffs near. I don't think it's anything different than what Pierman stands by. I think his team is disciplined and I think they need to resort back to being disciplined and like anything you need to understand that the thing that you don't want to do in the moment where you have to do it, that's what you need to fix because that's where they're checking. They're checking out. He talks about emotion a lot, Ben Pierman mm-hmm. and letting your emotions take over. And those are like individual moments. So whether it's, possession of the ball or your marking or letting players like your emotion of like, oh, I'm like, I'm backtracking. I'm gassed. It's the 77th minute. Like, I don't like those things that you just, your, your body is telling you not to do, but your brain knows it can do it. It's just the kind of battle that you see. I think you need to like, I think you need to remember that your team isn't anything until like you're getting results it's kind of like never satisfied mentality. And I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of that with the, with the battery is that they're maybe a bit satisfied that they have the playoff spot. Um, this happened. This is a thing in sport. It's not like it's just them. Yeah. This, this happens. So I think they just need to remember that they, I mean, Ben Pierman talks about every game being a playoff game. They need, they need to really think about that deeper because it, it's, it's hurting them in moments when they, sh- when they either up or they're, they, um, or conceding goals that are a bit too easy. I think it's just discipline. They need to resort back to that. Yeah. And and those are the words that they need to hear is that you need to do the thing that you hate doing and 
but like you love it. That's like the thing Mike Tyson says all the time. Right. That's kind of a corny, not corny. I don't want to sound cliche, oh, I mean, but like that's kind of the idea is like do the thing you hate that like you love it. And that means tracking back, gassing yourself out. If it means that you have a back four instead of a back three on a counter or you caught out, you're caught out on the counter, whatever it is. Um, you, you just need to do what your job mm-hmm. is and remember that playoffs are here and it's, it's killed or be killed at that point because it's, it's knockout football. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I mean, get me in the locker room. I, I back think, pyramid. Yeah. Andrew's <laughs> coming for the next hype talk um, or the next halftime talk. I think, I think that is a good point. Um, and it's tough as, as teams go into the home stretch, you're always going to be fatigued. I think very simply a couple days off might help the situation. Um, it allows them to re- refresh, get a mental reset, um, get whatever shit out of their legs that they need to yeah, like get the extra true. stretching in, get the extra rehab in. I don't know. Just kind of check out from the game for a little bit. Cause the season is a long season and it's getting to the very, very, and they're not end. playing bat. Like they were playing no. perfect for 70, yeah. two minutes. And, and this was even a match that it was like, yes, some individual, um, call them errors. Augie could have tucked that pen away. Then they are in a better position to win the game. Also, Trey Muse, uh, I think he could have done better on the first. He got beat at his near post. That's something that you don't ever really see happen to him. So collection of errors never is going to yeah. help the end result. And I guess that also serves as a good reminder as they approach these last two matches is like we got we to gotta pick up the slack. Like we can't allow these, these little errors to happen. Um, and they need, they just need to get back to playing with their confidence and be brave. I think with how Pierman sets up his team, especially as the state, the stages of the game wear on, it's natural for humans to want to protect what they have. So like when you have a lead and there's only 15 minutes, it's like, Oh, like why, why not sit back? But I think that's where the players really need to switch on and one, find it in their legs to push through those, push through that wall the late fatigue in the late later minutes. And, um, but then also just like know that they've put in the work, right? Like Mm -hmm. find that confidence in the work that you've been doing all season and find that bravery. So if, if it is 80th minute and another team's pressing you and be like, no, you know what? Like I'm going to take it to these guys. Like I'm going to step tighter in defense. Like he's going to check underneath. I'm going to step with him as opposed to just let him make a free, free run, underneath our back line so then he can open it up on a through ball over the top or something like that. Like, I'm going to step with him. I'm going to know that I'm not going to get beat, and that's just my job is done at that point. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's even a late-stage attack. It's like, oh, let let me have the confidence to know that my teammates are going to pick up my slack. If I make that striding run forward, maybe we go get that third goal and it seals it. I'm going to make that run and my teammates will have my back. They'll slide in, they'll adjust as needed. And um, then we'll have a lot less to worry about if we take that three, one lead. So just those little things. And I mean, they've done it all season. Like they're good at it. They're top team. We've, in the seen, them, we've seen them dominate games. We've right. seen them completely. I think it was Pittsburgh. One of the games when they, that was like a really good win they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they bought like they bossed Pittsburgh. They just looked like, the yeah. better, like they were home. I think that was the game they were home. Um, just remembering those moments and that, like, like you said, be confident in the decisions that you're making, right? And don't be unsure. Yeah, because like it, it is, it's agonizing. And this is not to overanalyze. This is just in like the the grand scheme of sport. Like, yeah, 
if you're a basketball team or you're watching your team, an NBA team in like game six and like you see them come out and they have a three, one lead and they just like, it's almost like they're not playing with the same, like go get it mentality. They're kind of playing conservative or you're a football team and all you're doing is running the ball. Like you have a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter and you just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and the other teams creeping up points are coming back. Like it's really easy to just be like, you know what? We're going to, pack it in we're gonna play the conservative route and hope for the best but as soon as that team against you gets a little bit of momentum and you're kind of in that conservative mindset that's where you really get punished so basically just play a video of david goggins going not done yet <laughs> yeah not done yet get off the podcast put it on the get back in the mental <laughs> put it on the um build, on the, the big the grand the Big old screen in the stadium at, in the 70th minute. Well, one thing I well, to wrap it up. One thing I always talk like think about when in those moments is when I was doing a lot of running. Mm-hmm. When you're about to finish your run, your run, like when I would do it, I, I would finish strong. Or like if you're Find running, like, if you're doing like a two mile, if you're doing a two mile on the on the la- on the on the track. Once you hit that eighth lap, usually it's four laps is a mile. Once like that, once you are at home stretch, you don't slow it down. You like yeah. pick, you just dead sprint. Right. Because that means like, just because I'm coming to the end doesn't mean I shouldn't finish strong. Right. Like I should finish just as strong as I maybe was what I was in the middle. Yeah. Because and it's all about levels. This team is certainly more than capable. Like we said, they've been doing it all season. Yeah. They're not Pier- running Pier- miles, the guy. They're doing, they're doing a lot yeah. more than that. <laughs> and Pierman's the guy to get them back on track very quickly, yeah. kind of snap his fingers, be like, boys, let's go. He's got them that well drilled that they, that they'll be able to do that. And I, don't really have any fears yeah. heading into the postseason. 100%. Um, and there's still two home matches left, so that's going to offer oh, yeah. a, a world of of world Let's of get lift. those three points, boys. Yeah. Um, but, Come on. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, a couple, it was Trey Muse's 100th appearance, and then another little accolade is that the USL Championship has hit the 2 million mark for the number of fans that have attended games. So that's... It's a big number, right? Uh, in my head, I'm like, damn, that's impressive. A lot of people. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a lot of people. And then I'll, they're growing. Like, that's a growing number. So yeah. take that MLS. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, uh, that's awesome to hear. I think you can tell the the batter games more more filled. They get people in the seats. I think they make the games and the they make the evening an event. And we mm-hmm. know that. We know that from. I mean, even Hartford. If it wasn't raining, I'm sure it would have been more of an event yeah, they than do a really good job than it than it was laid out. Even Loudon, like Loudon, did a good job of making it like a fun environment. Um, and same with the battery. So we've seen Pittsburgh Riverhound Stadium, like from on TV. Like all these stadiums are doing what they can to make it the most. Um, the, the number one thing you want to do on a Saturday night is go to a, a USL game, and that's that's putting people there. So yeah, I, I, I think it's. Uh, it speaks volumes to the growth of the game. Yeah. Agreed. And the USL. So. Now we'll move into our Mark Squared segment. So there were two Marks playing <laughs> Mark on the pitch squared. that day. One for the battery and one for El Paso. Shout out X marks the spot. Yeah. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Um, but yeah, Mark Segbergs, he made his Charleston Battery debut. He, he got the start. And just looks like a great signing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Plain and simple. He's a strong player on the ball. Doesn't turn the ball over. He connects his passes. And he's someone that can kind of just control the tempo of a game. 
So it looks like a sure thing signing, and it was really good to see him out there. Um, he settled in with no issues. Like, yeah. looks very confident. And he was a he was a top player for uh, Miami. So mm-hmm. he was like their mainstay, main starter. So yeah, love talking. Love Mark Squared. Who's number Who's number two on this Mark list? Mark Navarro. He's <laughs> the right back for El Paso, and this is just someone. It's an interest, interesting player. He has a career behind him. That will definitely turn some heads in the USL championship, the experience that he brings. So Mark Navarro, he's a right back. He can play a little bit of center back, but is known to play right back. And he he played on Saturday. He has experience in the Premier League with Watford. um, And he also played with two La Liga teams. So Espanyol is one of them, and Legantes is the other. He was on loan to, to Legantes from Watford. And, yeah, I mean, a handful of appearances for all of them, and he was at them training with them for a Watford string of years. Four, four Yeah, he signed, three years. he signed a five-year deal or four-year deal, and it was a $2 million transfer transfer from Espanol. And then for one of the seasons he went on, for his final season, I think he went on loan. Um, but he, he's played against the big dogs. He was in a 2-0. It was a 2-0 loss to Arsenal, but he logged something along 84 minutes. So... I mean that's that's quality. That like, is quality. You, can, yeah. you know what I mean? You can't you can't argue that. And then playing in La Liga, we see the UCL was played today. We we see um, the prowess and the skill that La Liga has. So to be able to compete at that level and be in and around those sides, um, it's a compliment to him, and uh, it's really cool to see him in the USL. Quality, quality all around in this league. Keep yeah. plugging it, <laughs> and we got some new quality on the way. So yeah, big name, big. Uh, Sac Republic. Sac, they, yeah, I mean, they, it's... They debut... Davian Kimbrough. Kimbrough. He's 13 years, 7 months, and 13 days. This is a big 13-year-old. He's 5'11", so... Yeah, he is tall. I was don't, like... Don't question his stature. I was so confused. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... All right, this is really cool. And yeah, I... Congratulations. Da, 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 Davian, congratulations. Obviously, outstanding. USL trying to promote youth talent. I saw one of the comment section people like talking about, you know, this is this is wrong. Um they were making comments, you know, comments about like him being so young and, and hurting like this is I guess what's the word? Unethical that he's they're playing him. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think? Do you think this is something for for himself physically and maybe even mentally that this is too much for him to, to be getting a start at the professional level considering his age. Cause I, there was a lot of comments like that. So I just, I thought yeah. it was interesting to kind of to see what, um, what you might think in terms of is 13 too early. Right. And I, I think that it has been the, uh, the discussion around the headline and it is unfortunate cause you don't want to take away from a player's success like that at yeah. such a young age. Cause he clearly is quality. Like he stepped on in the late stages of the match and he had an instant impact. I think he made a very good ball through. So he's capable of playing that at that level. I think from a physical perspective, different players mature at different levels or like different people mature at different stages throughout their life. Like me at 13, I was probably like 80 pounds soaking wet. Um, <laughs> and uh, like five, like, I don't even know how tall. So, but he being 5'11", and I think he's physically capable to be 
capable to be playing at that level. I think there is a risk that you run playing against like grown men with injuries because like tackles in the USL championship are going to be harder. Like people are going to get stuck in it's the tempo of the game. Like all those physical attributes that come with playing in a professional league are going to be there. Maybe that opens him up to a little bit of potential for injury or a higher risk of injury. But being that he's so young, I think there's a lot less fears with that because you're so like all your joints are rubber bands and like yeah. he'll bounce off of tackles and as much as other players will be going into tackles with like full force, his his full force that he's bringing to a tackle might not be enough to like have a severe injury. Who knows? So that's that's one of the concerns. Um, but then I think you have to look at it from the mental side and a player of his caliber is going to be expected to do a lot. And it's just a matter of having the correct environment around him to cater to his needs as a young individual, understanding that he's going to need different responses, replies from coaches, different teammates around him. Like, I don't think it's great for a 13-year-old to walk into a full-grown men's dressing room and, like, be able to just fit in. That's not a natural thing to do. No, no. So, like, he has to have someone putting his arm around his shoulder and guiding him in that process um teammates and also staff like that's not just someone you can just rely on the team to kind of pick that up um so if all of those things can be done correctly i don't think that it's too young um you compare him to the barcelona youngster that i mean he's 16 and he's playing for barcelona and is having a hell of a time high performance like angel gomez made his debut right. at 16 for manchester united and i mean 13 is far off from 16 it is it is and, i'm um, just i'm just trying to i guess you, there is success that can be found in doing something yeah. like that and i think the thing that impressed me most was the sacramento republic president coming out and making a statement and kind of addressing things on, head on which gives me confidence that they're going to handle it appropriately um but to quote him from Goal.com, a lot of comparisons are obviously made to Freddie Adu, but <clears throat> Todd Dunavant, he, he stated, there's no need to heap the ki- that kind of pressure on him in comparisons to like Freddie Adu and stuff like that. This is not somebody we'll be, be leaning upon to start when he's 13 and a half or 14. It'll be when he's ready. We'll ramp it up the right way. That makes sense. The pressure... Um, Adu was under is not fair to anyone at that age, and we won't put that on Davian. He's going to go at pace, and it's our job as a club to set him up for that through the development plan that continues to challenge him in the right ways, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, I think that statement is very telling. Like, you can't put the pressure of the world on a a 13-year-old's shoulders, but if if he gets that playing time, gets a few minutes and then it's like all right let's scale things back like let's let's you now know what that's like you know you kind of know the benchmark of where you need to be to compete at that level now let's like take you back under our wing and guide you on the right path so i think the statement from the president says a lot but i'm also curious to get your thoughts no i I agree i think um it is a risk um and i think it's all about how you handle it internally I don't think they're going to play. I think it like if you, they were to use him every game and pl- play him every game, then even for 15 minutes every single game, then I think that would be probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I think they're going to give him what the experience is like. He can go back to take that back to his development 
Um, and I think the USL, I think what we've seen from USL clubs is doing a really, really good job of, from what like from what I've seen of like their transfers that they handle for players being developed and going to Europe, that they really care about the development piece. And maybe this is a stretch, but I think community is a big thing among, amongst a lot of these clubs. And because it's so community-oriented, that's not something that I think they'd let happen to any mm-hmm. to any player in any club in, in the U.S. So I think this is something that like can be done the right way. It's just yeah. you hope you have the right people behind you, and I think they do in this situation. So um, they clearly they clearly knew the risk. They, I'm sure they thought about this going in. I'm sure they knew it, yeah. that this was going to happen. And there was also shouts that it was like, oh, is Sac Republic just doing this for the publicity, like for the headline, like. I don't think there's no. anyone that knows won the USL championship and just how these clubs are operating. Like it to them, it's not, it's not even a part of their thought process. It's not like, Oh, we, we could steal this headline. If we play him right now, he'll be the youngest professional to ever play in North America. Um, but it's like that, that was none of their decision-making process from what I gather. And like you said, like it's player first player, player path, player development. That's all going to be what they based their decision off and nothing else. Like in this instance, it's not like they brought them on because they were down and needed gold (laughs) or they're going to look to them next week when they need a full 90 out of them. And that's the good, the the appropriate way to go about it. Um, And there's plenty of young stars on the rise in the USL and it it looks like their career growth is going to continue. Like there's going to be more and more of them. Who knows what they done? What they did behind closed doors too? Like, did they talk to his parents? Probably. Did they yeah. talk to him? Probably. They did. They did talk to him. But did mm-hmm. they say, "Hey, I'm sure they were like, hey, do you think you want to do this?'" Yeah. And obviously, he's young. You can't yeah, make gro- you can't make grown decisions like that, or like important, important decisions. But like, you can still. He's still a 13 year old kid who has like an opinion that he can be like. He can probably be like, "No, nah, I'm not feeling like." You know, kids are pretty honest. Yeah, they know? are. So, um. I'm sure they did one about this right, but before even going about getting him on the pitch. Right. And even if it was when they called his name off the bench, like even in that last moment, if something was off, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have risked it. You know what I mean? It's too much of, yeah, that's just not, I don't think that's what the USL teams are about. Yeah. So credit to Sac Republic, another young star in the USL championship. That's right. Congratulations. Congratulations. Davey and Kimbro on your professional debut. You now are in the history books. And that's for sure. That episode 10 is also in, in the, the books. history books. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, plenty of content coming your way. Like we mentioned, we'll be down there for the home opener. Be shaking some hands. Soon. Details to come. And uh, we'll see you all legitimately very soon. soon. Cheers.